the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, you may have learned about this guy for the first time this NFL season, or you may have known about him for a long time. I've known Paul Allen, the play-by-play voice for the Minnesota Vikings, for over two decades. And he's just one of the best people I know. And he became world famous this year when LeBron James dubbed him a national treasure. You're going to find out why. Next. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Well, as I said in the intro, if you already know Paul Allen, you're in, you know, you know Paul Allen, you know PA, PA on the mic. If you don't, this is going to be fun. How are you, friend? Wow. What's going on there, Michelle? I um, you know, we didn't have a ton of Sunday night football games this year with the Vikings, but every time we do, I miss you each and every time. Oh, you're sweet. Thank you. I you know, I I loved listening to your calls and this season was extraordinary for the Vikings. And then it ended. And how surprised how I, I wasn't surprised at the way it ended. Um, the defense has been a problem. And, and what bothers me about it is that, you know, the v- defense has always been the Vikings calling card and it just wasn't this year. Why do you think that is? Right. But you're right. Um, but the, the team ended up winning 13 of, of 17. In I, the yes, they did. And, and in fairness, I mean, you're an elite football mind. So, I mean, if you're like, I wasn't surprised the way it ended. Okay, I was because okay. I had seen all of those games where middle of the field was wide open. You got the Darius Slaytons uh, of the world running all over the place, but we still win. And and we had the ball at the end and we didn't win. So, it, yeah, I was surprised that we lost that playoff game at home. But uh, there's been a change with the coordinator. And um, as of this taping, they're interviewing uh, potential candidates and uh, from a personnel standpoint, there could be some relatively popular names uh, who are not on the team next year. So it it was the kryptonite at the end of the equation, and it's it, I'm saddened that it was. I I know. I mean, it was a thrilling season, and it it it. it but it, all the way through, people were saying the Vikings are frauds. Now I didn't think they were frauds, so don't include me in that group. But what do you say to the people who did think they were? 
Well, see, I don't, you know, it, that that's more elevator music to me at this stage of my career and life. Uh, but but I did see it and hear it. Um, I generally wouldn't engage. But the times I did is I just don't know how many times you can put people in a coffin to have them resurrect their opinion. And then finally, at the end of a playoff game, you know, go see, see, I yeah, told you. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. after, you know, we kill Green Bay week one. Well, then we go to Philadelphia and we get drilled. And I left that game saying, I, I've, I've called NFC Championship games at Lincoln Financial. If anybody's going to come in here and beat that quarterback and this team, I'm going to have to see it. So yeah. I knew the quality of the squad to, to whom we lost. But after that game, you know, after blowing out Green Bay, a lot of the national opinion was, see, you know, Cousins yeah. this, defense that, they're frauds. Well, they won seven in a row after that. So yep, they did. It was silenced. Well, then, you know, we have that dramatic win in Buffalo where Josh Allen drops the ball at the goal line. Kendricks falls on it. Peterson picks off Josh Allen and we win. Um, the next week we get killed as bad as you can to the Dallas yeah. Cowboys and yeah. at home. And here come the lemmings again in Pavlovian yes. fashion. See, frauds, 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 whatever. They, they won four yeah. of their next five. Then they lose to a Detroit team that honestly could have and maybe should have beaten us twice this year, but they they would win after that. Then they lose. So the the narrative, it, the the goalpost continued to move on the yeah. opinion, which which is of the social media variety, which I don't dig. Honestly, I don't care about people's opinions outside of the covenant. Um, I know a baseline piece of positivity what was established with this football team, and it's going to be there for years to come. All right. that That's uh, for Vikings fans. That's great to hear. And look, I tend to agree with you. And I it's I don't necessarily think it's all social media, although it's it's uh, exacerbated by that because sports writers and sports talk radio show hosts all over the country have always talked this way. Yeah. You know, they've always had these debates that some are good and well based and some are stupid and the majority are stupid in my humble opinion. Uh, you know, they're just spewing off stuff. Uh, there's more to a team than stats. There's more to each player than stats. Um, you know, and, and, and I, I continue to, defend Kirk Cousins. And, uh, you know, I've had people say, oh, I'm a Vikings fan, but I'm not a Kirk Cousins. It's like, well, it's, whatever. Uh, it's it's like the whole Dak Prescott Dallas thing. That really bothers me as well. And so right. this is just, it's, it's part of the joy and pain of sports. It divides us, but it brings us together in a weird way that we, I th yeah. think we really need. Well, I mean, whether you're on the sideline for NBC or you're doing sideline sanity, wherever you are, you are first and foremost a journalist, and I've always known you as that. So if you have a team that you love deeply rooted in your heart, I mean, we, we could go way, way back to like Golden Gophers, Michigan Wolverines. Ah. Um, but that's, that's a story for another day when, you know, Miss uh, Mr. You would. You would. animated at the end of a game. Um, but nevertheless, when it's like, well, you live in Minnesota, so you're a Vikings or a Kirk Cousins Bobo. Well, I know that you're not that. However, doing the radio show on KFAN and uh, being part of the Vikings uh, pre and post game and Vikings Entertainment Network stuff, I, I hear that a lot. And I mean, you know, as well as anybody, Michelle, Minnesota's a habit state. So when Kirk Cousins has the audacity to take the first three year guaranteed contract in the history of the NFL, 
Granted, to whom much is given, much is expected. And his 2018, it wasn't great. But he steadily improved every year after that. And of all the games that I've called involving Kirk Cousins, he just had the most cold-blooded, wonderful, spine-tingling season he's ever endured. (laughs) And and that, that truly, you know, factually should get better next year given you now got the coach and the quarterback together for the first time, well, next year will be the second time. Right. And Justin will be here and, you know, whomever else will be here, TJ Hawkinson for sure. And yeah. so now, Kirk, it's the uh, the narrative and, and the common thread with Kirk because of the money piece. I think it starts there. Yeah. You know, then people will be like, well, he can't handle big moments in the postseason, which is crap. After right. the 2019 season, we went to New Orleans he noticed Patrick Robinson hadn't played all game as Marshawn Lattimore got hurt very late in the game, like very, very late. So Kevin Stefanski, our then offensive coordinator, um, probably my best friend I've ever had in football, he noticed Robinson came in the game, dialed up a deep play for Thielen to pick on Robinson, who couldn't possibly be ready for the moment. And they connected on a long one. And then we won it with Rudolph back left of the end zone at the Superdome cousins through those passes right so he can handle those moments yeah i i agree with you i you know i this is this is the life of sports and you know you you know it better than anyone you're so involved with the vikings one of the the exciting things about this season has been the whole world has gotten to know you pa paul allen and a lot of it had to do, so much of it had to do with that win at Buffalo. Let's give folks a little sample of the excitement from that game right here. Allen, back to pass, in the pocket, to the end zone. Yes! And he's down by Patrick Peterson! I and he slides down! Woo! And the Minnesota Vikings are eight and one! game! Where are you going? No, I'm not leaving. Hold on, I promise. I've got to show you something. Okay, I'm good. All right. I want to show you this, uh, because we're old school, best school. Uh, This is uh, Gabe Henderson with the Vikings Entertainment Network. He and I have become really, really close friends. He worked with uh, the Washington. I know Gabe. No, Gabe. There you go. Look at this touching, wonderful Christmas gift he gave me. That is a mug, and I'm having a hard time reading it because what? Tell me what it says. The LeBron James tweet at King James. Wow, Paul Allen is a national treasure with all the uh, fire emojis. You didn't think I was going to get to that too? We've got the tweet. It tied into the Buffalo game, and it was such a such a touching gift that he gave me because the the a lot of the the reaction or you know, a lot of the uh, splash or secular shine, however you want to look at it, that, like you said, now, you know, I got Jim Rome talking about me. I got Pat McAfee. I got Barstool Sports praising me a year and change after, I believe it was that site, you know, had my face on their super popular site with a clown nose because for the first time in my career, I blew a big call at the end of the Arizona Cardinals game at Arizona Greg Joseph, the kick is up, and it is good. No, he missed it right. Well, I mean, they I just got lambasted for that, more so T. Because no one's ever done that before. Right. But, um, but yeah, but I never had. So, and and I was really hoping that I never would, but I did. Well, you so did. I, so you know, I, I struggled with a couple of things as it as it just began to avalanche. And, and one, I felt that I was pulling attention away from the team in one of the, if not the most special, 
seasons of all my 21. I mean, I really, really enjoyed being around everybody and everything this year. And that hasn't necessarily been the case at certain times over the last half decade to decade for me. Um, but I still would do the job and serve the fans and give them the calls that they've come to expect, you know, but it, it just got so thick and so heavy and just so much attention. And, and I didn't know how to handle it. I just, I've never really dealt with anything like that in my life. And so, you know, I, I just wasn't comfortable with it on that Wednesday. And then for whatever the reason, I woke up at four in the morning, the next day popped open my computer, went to Twitter and, and there's LeBron James who, <laughs> He didn't, he didn't just like write, wow, or same, or I know, right? Or nice job. He wrote my name. Yeah. And I was just flabbergasted and touched and blown away. And it kind of put it all into perspective for me, you know, that, that being a Christian and an opportunity for new people to either listen to my podcast, Faith and Goal, learn more about me. And maybe that there are more opportunities that will emerge given by God to share the gospel. So that really overwhelmed me. And I kind of came together uh, with the totality of everything that had happened that morning. That's amazing. I remember seeing that. And, 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 you know, everyone seems to, to gauge moments by whether or not LeBron tweeted about them, you know, yeah. and I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a, I haven't made him the kingmaker of sports announcers, but you know, he is called King James. And to mm-hmm. get that kind of call out from a guy with that following, wow. it, yeah, it's amazing. And so, yeah, I've just c- come to call you NT, which stands for national treasure instead wow. of PA. So wow. I'm going to call you NT from now on. Just okay. national treasure. And, yeah. uh, no, but, it, but what was great is, you know, for those of us that have been listening to you for years or who've known you and known your style and appreciated it so much, this game, first of all, that Bills game, hmm. one of the best games, if not the best games I've ever seen in my life. Me right? too. Right? I mean, how, I don't know how you argue with that. Like I, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you where I was, Paul. I was at the dog park because I thought Minnesota was going to lose. And then there was this guy at the dog park with a phone watching the game. Yeah. And so <laughs> there were like five of us, the dogs, there are running and we're just surrounding this phone watching and, and just screaming and hollering. And you got to be kidding me. And I mean, the alarm. So it was, Totally one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, it was tr- even to me, I don't know. And then the, you know, the 33 point comeback was the other, obviously. So two of the best games by uh, bar none, the two best games of the, of the season, right? Yeah. In the yeah, NFL. See, you know, you, you mentioned and you and I have known each other two plus decades. Yeah. And, you know, if the Vikings are playing on Sunday night football and you're on the sideline, I'm going to head down to do my stuff and I'm going to find you. We're going to embrace. Yep. And God bless you. Good luck. Have fun. Great to see you. That's just who you and I always have been. So, I mean, you in a roundabout way, either listening to KFAN when you're driving around or or highlights or whatever, what everybody saw in the two minutes of the Bills game yeah. that Vikings.com and, and media relations guy Zach Royce put out, and it's brilliant the way he cut those highlights. It, it really is well right. done. Well, you know that's me, and that's always been me with the way I call games. And right. it just is interesting that 
a lot of entities that, you know, maybe had heard my highlights, didn't know my name, you know, they, they could kind of put it together with the visual and the emotion. And yeah, it was, it was overwhelming, but, but that, that is how I call games and how I always have called games. And so now everyone got to see it. And by the way, what we're going to do is at the end of this conversation with you, we will put that entire two minute uh, video at the tail end of this podcast. So people who haven't seen it, We'll get to see it if they're watching YouTube. If they're listening, they get to hear it. So we'll do that. When we come back with Paul after this quick break, I want to talk to him about something he's mentioning here quite a bit, and that's his ability to talk about his faith. And I am really interested in this. I hope that you will be too, because I think it's pretty bold. Back with Paul Allen in two seconds. So it shocks me to say this, but a food shortage could be coming even in the U.S., economic experts wrote recently. Now, you shouldn't be too surprised by that, given what we saw during COVID, given supply chain issues. That's why survival food is more important forever. Now, listen to this, okay? You can create a stockpile, basically, of the best-selling Four Patriots survival food kits. Now, it's not ordinary food. We're talking good for 25 years, super survival food, stuff you can keep in a closet somewhere, hand-packed right in a family-owned facility in the United States of America and giving jobs to over 200 Americans. The kits are compact, sturdy, water-resistant. They stack easily. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners. You can make these meals in less than 20 minutes. Just add boiling water, simmer, and serve. And right now you can go to fourpatriots.com and use code Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store, including this three-month survival kit. You'll get their famous year-long guarantee after your order, plus free shipping on orders over $97. They're called Four Patriots because a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. And we thank them for that. Just go to fourpatriots.com. That's the number fourpatriots.com and use code Michelle with one L to get 10% off. That's fourpatriots.com, code Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Start building your own stockpile today. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Back with Paul Allen. Faith and Goal is the podcast. What gave you the courage to start this podcast? I mean, courage is an interesting word because I guess I guess I don't really look at it like that. Um, you know, I hadn't read a word in the Bible. 
Um, I'm 57. So up to age 52, I hadn't read a word in the Bible. Um, I had no idea, as the Bible teaches in the New Testament, that Christ was God on earth. Now, you know, I, I had celebrated Easter and and I knew about the crucifixion and the resurrection, but it was more so tied to Easter with my kids. Now, I always, you know, back to when I was growing up in Washington, D.C. or living in Los Angeles, calling races in Northern California, Bay Meadows, Golden Gate Fields, all my life, I always had been one who would pray the Lord's Prayer, uh, Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, uh, and always talk to God. Not not like, you know, having a conversation back and forth, but like, you know, Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity, or excuse me, Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. If I was running into the ocean, uh, like Newport Beach or whatever, God, thank you for this. So I always was that person. I always believed in God. Um, then I went to an evangelical church in, in Minnesota, a Baptist church. And I hadn't gone to church much in my life. And um, while always believing in God, but never reading the Bible, like John 3.16, I mean, I knew it was from the Bible, but, you know, probably like a lot of people, I tied it to the guy with the multicolored hair behind the goalposts on Monday Night Football or yeah. whatever, holding up the sign. Yep. Um, so I just never had seen an, an evangelical preach. And at this church, a man, Pastor Wes, who subsequently has become not only my teacher, uh, but one of my very best friends, you know, he's he's taking something of now, tying it to scripture, making it practical to then 2019. And I was just blown away at how eloquent and how wonderful it was. And these passages were popping up like Galatians and Philippians and Hosea and Ruth. And I had no idea what they were. But I left and I couldn't wait to get back the next week. And I just had this stimulation and this buzz where I couldn't wait to get back next week. And I just thought about it the whole week. Okay, so hold, we, stop, stop, stop. What yeah. made you go there in the first place? If, if um, you yeah. Well, the um, um, uh, my girlfriend, um, uh, Lisa, and my 15, 16 year home game statistician and very best friend, David Koob, uh, David had gone there and he was like, you know, you, you, you're hashtag faith guy. You pray all the time. You believe in God. There's this speaker, Pastor Wes, who I think you really would enjoy. Okay. So I went, Berean Baptist in Burnsville. And that's, that's how I got there. So, you know, it's, I, I just, I had this feeling that I can't explain for the entire week. It, it was a series called All Sides of the Savior. And the first one that I went to was the burden of unforgiveness. And a lot of things were popping up that were practical to today. Okay, the next week it was the burden of idolatry. So now I'm learning things about false idols and false gods that I never knew. And the passages were coming up again and, and I was overwhelmed. Then from the, from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, which starts the New Testament, chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, paraphrasing um, Jesus speaking to Matthew, uh, the Bible teaches, he says, come to me all who are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for, for my burden, uh, my burden, my heart is lowly and my burden is light. And that really, really stuck with me where I'm like, whether you believe in God or not, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And I just stared at it and I'm thinking, well, if God, if Christ slash God's burden is light, and his heart is lowly, then, then why is it mine? 
And, and, you know, I always with my jobs and, and you can attest to this or disagree with, with the public life that I, that I've lived through KFAN calling Vikings games or races at Canterbury Park. You know, I, I always feel that, that I've been relatively humble while, while living a public life and, you know, getting, getting, not as much as after that Bills game, but getting a lot of praise and getting knocked for a lot of different things. You know how that works. But um, that passage really overwhelmed me. So then I studied it. I read the the book of Matthew. I got with Pastor Wes, and uh, I started to learn how to break down metaphor and symbolism in the Bible. And that was it. Uh, That was all I did, and really still all I do, for the last four years and change. And, and to be able to take passages that still stand the test of time now, 2,000 years later, like love one another, um, turn the other cheek, eye for an eye. Uh, I learned Samaria was the origin of Good Samaritan. So then from there, I took a seven-week course on Revelation, and, and I'm very comfortable preaching on or discussing the book of Revelation, which is very difficult for a lot of people. But the key there for me was... To, to really understand it, you need to tie Revelation in the New Testament to Daniel, Ezekiel, and Isaiah, maybe Exodus to a certain extent in the Old Testament. So I learned to do that. And then I took a 13-week course on systematic theology, and I went to 10 of the 13, and that was way above my head. Uh. But with each two-hour course, I would leave with one or two things that really hit my heart. Uh, none more than learning when the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans, wrote about predestination and foreknowledge leading to calling, leading to justification, leading to glorification. And I'm firmly convinced what happened to me is known as an effectual calling, where I've always believed in God. When when I guess you know it's it's I didn't grow up in churches, so I've been told by pastors, priests, and rabbis that I've met with to learn more about the Bible. That my greatest strength is I didn't grow up in churches, so I don't have predetermined or I don't get really as wound up or preachy about works as opposed to exactly what the Bible says. Um, when I meet with, with, uh, the rabbi either in Chicago or St. Louis Park, you know, I'm not there to be like, Hey, at the end of Malachi, you, you, you know, you, you better open your eyes. He's more than a carpenter. And he's not there to tell me, you know, it's a fairy tale. You're weak, you know, and you're relying on a crutch, things like that. When I have conversations with atheists, I come into it with respect. I'm not there to, to bang a Bible on somebody's head and be like, well, if you don't believe in Christ, you're going to hell. I'm not like that. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I'm, I'm strictly what the Bible teaches. And, and, you know, so therefore, just through that whole process, and it's a long answer, and I apologize, but if you study effectual calling, I'm absolutely positive that's what happened to me, is that at the, that time of my life where I didn't go to college, look at these jobs I have. Um, I auditioned for all of my jobs. I auditioned to become a play-by-play voice in the NFL with no college experience, and I won. And I've held the job for almost 30 years. Well, 21, but all my jobs for almost 30 years. So God gave me this skill set, this eloquent speaking, and this following, 
And now I know why. And it's to do what I do in the evangelical world organically when the honors pop up and studying the Bible and breaking down metaphor and symbolism and tying the Old and New Testament together. It's my life. It's every single thing I do. And really, you see, with that LeBron tweet, I didn't share it earlier, but I will now. The, The biggest struggle I was having was 30 some odd years into three microphone careers with no college experience, a lascivious lifestyle in the 90s, um, and always praying to God, Heavenly Father, thank you for keeping me within your bubble of love. Please protect me from envy and jealousy and avarice and angst. And if what's happening right now in my life costs me whatever, I'm still going to love you. And I always I always did that. I always prayed like that. And, you know, so therefore God decided at that stage of my life, it's time. Yeah. Yeah. Time to crack that whip, boy. Um, I built this following for you. You got these jobs that you shouldn't have had out of nowhere. You've kept them. And uh, now it's time to get out there and share the gospel and do so organically. Well, when all of this secular shine was taking place, which was unprecedented in my life, Mm -hmm. uh, it just closed or capped by the LeBron James tweet. And it's very big to me that he wrote my name. Yeah. He wrote, God had LeBron James write my name to five and a half million people. Yeah. Well, that really overwhelmed me and got me all squared away because the first night it all started to pop, I was speaking to people the way I shouldn't. Like, what are we doing here? We got to get out and who are we going to call Teen Challenge? Uh, this, that, this, you know, the, look what's happening right now. We we have to capitalize on this and serve others and let them know about the gospel. Or if that's not the case, motivate them if their lot in life is not great and we're not doing enough. Well, I was wrong because I try my very best to live my life, thy, not I. And I let my free will and the I in me really overcome me that day, repented of that sin in prayer that evening, went to bed, woke up at four, saw the LeBron tweet. I'm not one who's going to be like God talked to me or God said to me or nah. It's it's I sat back and it was peaceful and what came to my heart. Uh, Holy Spirit inspired is, I get it. I understand now that that what I think is big, like I did Wednesday, in the eyes of God is not big. Big in his eyes, we are incapable of conceiving what is big. So I just feel that I was shown, you thought something was big and you acted like that. And we've talked about this, thy not I, free will, honors will come to you. When, when God is ready for them to come to me, I got all squared away on it that Thursday. And uh, LeBron James, believe it or not, with that tweet had a lot to do with it. Wow. Wow. All right. What, one of the lingering questions I have about all of this and your experience and your outlook is it, it certainly things changed when you started to read the Bible and you, you started, you know, this more intense study but I want to know what made you faithful up until then, because as you said, you weren't raised in churches, but you were always, you were know. always grateful and thanking God. So let's just touch on that before we I finish up with Paul Allen right after this.
So no matter where you stand on a lot of things, we all know the economy in this nation, in this world is a little crazy and a little scary. And that's where gold and silver may come into play for you. And I suggest that you contact Legacy Precious Metals. You know they've been a sponsor of this show because they can answer all your questions on how this may work for you. When you've got gas prices all over the place and they're probably going to go up, you've got a war going on, the markets don't like instability, but you do have options and those include gold and silver. The reason gold prices are rising is because investors turn to gold for protection against inflation, against a weakening dollar. Gold does things stock just stocks can't do. Legacy Precious Metals is the only company I trust for investing in gold and silver because you need an investment that's going to protect your wealth in retirement. And you want to call them soon because if you remember 2008, those who invested in gold saw nice gains and others lost their retirement. So don't wait any longer. Just make the call. Ask them all the questions that you have. You can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals. Here's the number, 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com. So let me ask you this. You said you hadn't read the Bible to till four or five years ago, right? So, but you had said throughout your life, you would thank God for different things, but you weren't raised in a church. So how did that start? Like, do you remember the first time, like what, what influence in your life had you believing that there was a God to begin with? I don't know. I mean, I really don't God. I mean, God rest the soul of my late mom living, you know, single mom, um, living in the shadow of RFK Stadium in uh, in DC, and um, then Maryland, and she taught me the Lord's Prayer. We never went to church. Um, it's not like you know my mom and I uh, discussed Jesus. We never did. Um, I just you know I've seen videos of of like side conversations that I've had at Canterbury Park or Cape Ann or with the Vikings, and I just always have been the person who said God bless you. And always, you know, I was told by a friend of mine, James O, who helped me get my first racetrack announcing job in 93 at Bay Met, the former Bay Meadows in San Mateo, um, for which I auditioned and I beat 30 who made it a career. Again, I'm not, you know, I'm, uh, in the Bible teaches that we all are the same in the eyes of God. Okay, so like some of the prayers that that I would do the last two years on the sideline before games with C.J. Ham, Adam Thielen, Harrison Phillips, Kirk Cousins, Jordan Hicks, Dalvin Cook, and so on. Well, that that was one of, of my stress. My, the points I stressed is that whomever's picking up all the cups and and cleaning this place, or whomever is on that camera down there, or you or me, we're all the same in the eyes of God, and we have to recognize that. And for whatever the reason, God chose to put us in public life positions to strengthen, I guess, our cachet within the secular so that if organically the opportunity to share the Bible or share the gospel of Christ emerges, we we then follow suit. So I can't, I, I don't know. I just, I taught my kids the Lord's Prayer, you know, but I didn't teach them Christ was God on earth as the Bible teaches. Um, and then all of a sudden at age 52, I go to this preach God uses Pastor Wes as my teacher in the conduit, and I'm in, and I'm all in. And 
You know, another moment was when my girlfriend Lisa's mom died a couple of years ago. Um, we all four got COVID. Lisa, me, her 81-year-old mom, and and Lisa's brother, Jimmy. Well, uh, whomever, you know, for all the subterfuge and all of the politicizing and lies and everything that went into a lot of the COVID stuff that we heard, saw, or or read. Um, and, I, and I know you have a strong political bent to you, yeah. which is great. I love you if you have it or if you don't, um, because I always have. But I don't. So, you know, <clears throat> Biden-Trump became false god uh, in my eyes, where it meant more to people than the Bible or God. Mm-hmm. So I was out. And in fact, from a political standpoint, about the only time I would formulate a political opinion would be exactly that, that, I mean, you guys are just being fools here, man. Yeah. It just, it yeah. does, the vitriol does not need to be this hot, yeah. uh, even though I happen to agree with you or you or whatever. So Armony, God rest her soul. Well, whomever said, you know, if you're older, and you get COVID and you already have a, a predetermined condition, woo! well, they were right because she had cancer. And, you know, I, I had COVID for all of 48 hours and I was healed of it. It left, whatever, two days into it. And I'm really happy that it did because her daughter, Lisa, uh, had COVID pneumonia and was in St. Joseph's Hospital in, in, in St. Paul for 11 days. This is your girlfriend. Death of her mom. Her mom's request was not to go in the hospital and to die in her Woodbury condo. All right. Well, guess what? Now there's only me. And I just had COVID so I can be around her and I'm not going to get bit again. And so I guided that woman for eight days, spiritually and physically, right, right, right to her last breath. It's the greatest honor that I've ever had in my life. Um, when, when we went to the funeral in Detroit, you know, you got friends and family members looking over Armony and they're crying and they miss her and her friend and family members. And all I could think was, Father, when is my next honor? This is all I want to do the rest of my life. It was unbelievable. Praying with her, having her say, come Holy Spirit. She was really down on herself from 60 years ago via divorce and not being with her kids and, you know, going into a hospital, a mental hospital, you know, so I would go over and spend time with her unbeknownst to her daughter or anybody else before, well before she got bit with COVID. And I would sit down with her with the Bible and I would say, you think you were bad? Let me tell you about Saul, the persecutor who murdered or had murdered Messianic Jews. And then on the road to Damascus fell to his knees and Christ talked to him, and he became the Apostle Paul, who wrote the most books in the Bible. All right, well, murdering people, don't you think that's kind of bad? <laughs> uh, the Apostle Paul has become one of the most prominent people in the history of the Bible. Yeah. Let me tell you about Matthew, who wrote the first gospel. Well, he was a tax collector who ripped off his own, the Israelites, and he ripped off and or supported the Romans who were killing the Jews. Well, that that's as bad as it gets. Well, Christ called him to follow and write one of these gospels. So that's the end result. He was awful, just terrible. So I, I instilled in her that you're, it's not nearly as bad as you think it was, Armony. And she believed in Christ. Uh, and if she didn't, she did when she died. Mm-hmm. And to serve her physically and spiritually was the, the greatest week I've ever had in my life. 
Um, but I was depressed for a couple of months because I was like, Father, where, when, when's the next honor? When's the next honor? Again, I went to I, not thy. Hmm. So then I started calling races at Canterbury Park and it kind of dissipated. And lo and behold, like a month into it, uh, the, the pastor, Pastor Red, at the chapel at Canterbury came up to me and, you know, he said, I've seen you pray with jockeys and I've seen you pray with people in the paddock. Would you be interested in doing some sermons at our chapel on Tuesday night? And I was like, whoa, um, I was so overtaken by that and so scared that I didn't respond to him for a month. But in preparing what it would be now the eight sermons I've done over two summers, it is the most daunting form of microphone work I've ever done in my life. Mm. And I'm talking about NFC title games, Minneapolis Miracle, Farb to Tracy Porter, Josh Allen in Buffalo, uh, because it's you, 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 you can't mess up the word of God. And to, to be able to take it from now, make it practical to now while, while tying scripture into it, but keeping the main thing, the main thing. The the crucifixion, resurrection, 40 days of teaching after that, 50 days, the Pentecost, where the the disciples were given the Holy Spirit and knowing they were probably going to die, gruesome deaths. They spread through the ancient Near East to share what they knew, what they believed, what they saw and what they know is right. Um, So, yeah, that that, that's the whole story right there. It just it's overwhelmed my life in a very, very positive way. And I just lay in wait waiting for the next honor, like speaking about it here on a super popular podcast with somebody that I really, really respect and love and getting the opportunity to authentically share that. Well, that that's an honor bestowed upon me by God. And I can't thank you enough for letting me uh, share it. Uh, well, I just appreciate it. I appreciate it. And I, and I brought it up to you to be, to begin with by asking you about the courage it took to start that podcast. And you thought courage was an interesting word. And the reason I say that is because it's not as though places that you've worked um, are necessarily all embracing of this kind of thing of religion of mixing religion with anything yeah. you know. And so I, know. I think it does take a measure of courage, and we see what Tony Dungy's enduring right now, and you know because of his faith. So I, I think it does take courage, and um, I just wonder if if you have experienced any of, for all the positive for all the positive. Very briefly here, have you experienced you know just any of the? Geez, Paul, that's a little over the top. It's a little much. Well, yeah, but the thing is, I'm not over the top. And when I was taught that my greatest strength is I didn't grow up in churches, so thus I don't have church baggage. I don't even really read into what church baggage is because I don't want to know. I just want me to continue to be the me that God created, that God out of nowhere with no right to have these jobs, with no college, with no college experience to debut play by play in the National Football League. That's a gift from God. And I just I just want to live my life the way God designed it. Uh, The the Bible teaches when you when you become bold or, or however it wants to be described, that there will be persecution. Well, persecution 2000 years ago was getting your head cut off. Mm-hmm. Well, the persecution now is getting ripped on social media. Yeah. Um, if people have courage enough to come up and want to talk to me about it. Excellent. I embrace it. I've had conversations with atheists that are some of the greatest conversations I've ever had where we embrace at the end because my go to is. Well, the Bible teaches in the book of Revelation 
when Christ through the apostle John is addressing seven churches in Asia Minor and the number seven being that of completion per the Bible, that means he's addressing every church that was there at that time and every church in the history of churches. So that's again, part of the metaphor and symbolism you need to learn. But when, when he was addressing Laodicea, you know, paraphrasing, he basically said, you're lukewarm, you're stale, you're either to be hot or cold. Okay. And that, that is what God wants. So if it's an atheist, I'm like, go out and be the best atheist you can be. <laughs> That's between you and God. Okay. I ain't going to sit here and tell you you're going to hell. I'll say the Bible teaches you are, but that's between you and God. And I'm going to love you no matter who you are, or what you are, man. Um, so okay, let me, let me stop I you there then. That- longstanding relationships that have changed a little bit. Um, I guess that would really be the, the root of the answer. It's just one of those curious parts of religion for me is that, you know, we, we love um, all God's creatures and we're all the same. Right. Uh, so that one is a struggle for me, but, uh, I understand. Yeah. Let's see. It's not a, it's just the Bible teaches and and the way as a Christian that I live, it's not a struggle for you when God wants it to not be a struggle for you. That's it. I mean, we talked about my life for the first 52 years. I didn't head to that evangelical preach thinking my entire life was going to change for two years. I'm going to be praying with football players on the sideline before games, you know, where it's the National Football League. It's the image conscious beast. Yeah. Therefore, Jews, Muslim, everything, inclusion, everything. But you know what? If if I lose my job, any of my jobs, because I'm praying and sharing the, the word of the Bible and my belief in Christ, well, then take them because they're supposed to go. And those jobs don't mean as much to me as my belief in Jesus Christ and my love for the Bible and my belief in that story and the eyewitnesses on top of the eyewitnesses on top of the eyewitnesses telling the same story different ways. I believe in it. God has me believing in it and sharing it whenever organically possible. So it, you know, like I said, with Revelation 12, the devil gets to win battles, free will, free will, God's will. But like the Bible teaches, the those who believe and those who share the word of the gospel and believe in Christ and the Holy Trinity, well, the, the, the gates of heaven will not be shut to them. And it's not my job to say who's going into the lake of fire. That's between God and the individual. And uh, whether, you know, it's all the examples we laid out. Of course, I can't explain some of the world's worst tragedies, just like I can't explain why God wiped out the world in Genesis with Noah. I can read what I read, but nevertheless, I wasn't there and I didn't I didn't live it. And the Holy Spirit didn't jump my heart with the proper way to handle it or explain it. I so appreciate this time with you, Paul. I really, really do. I'm. I am legitimately, I mean, people are hearing from me that I am more and more curious about people whose faith is deep because I seem to, what I see is that these people are really happy and really productive and there's not a damn thing wrong with that. And, and I think there's something to this. And so you've known, you've known me almost every day. I've been in Minnesota since 19. Yes. You followed my career. Yeah. I just explained 
not going to college, auditioning for all these jobs, right? And getting all of them. Okay. Okay. So I'm gifted. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm talented, just like you're talented and I'm not being arrogant. That's how God made us. Well, when, when it, when it comes to everything that I just, do you think I lie? No, do you think I make, no, not you, but oh, I'm saying okay. I don't lie. Right. I don't pontificate or make things up. I don't bang Bibles on people's heads. And if you're not a Christian, you're not a Christian. And that's it. You're not a Christian. There are two things just to close. If you don't have an appreciation for the genre and the world two and 3,000 years ago, then you might as well not even read it. Because if you think like the word salt, all right, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, where Christ says, you are salt of the earth. Something we still say now. Well, the way I look at it is you, Christians, are, not should be, are salt preserving what's good of the earth. Our world is in decay. So that's what I do when I get the opportunity to preach or share. But they didn't have refrigerators 2,000 years ago. If the salt got mixed up in the sand, there was no food and people died. Give us this day our daily bread. It can be... Con, con, contrived or conceived that daily bread is the word of God. Okay, it says that in the Bible, but it also can be literal. Give us this day our daily bread because they didn't have any food 2,000 years ago. And if the preservative, preservative got mixed up in the sand, all the food perished and people died. So if you can't understand or have an appreciation for what life was like back then, when all of this was happening, then I'm not going to say don't read the Bible because I want everybody to read the Bible. But secondly, you can't hand pick what's good for you in the Bible. It's like my will is that of commando and God says this, but I live like this. No, 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 no. You're either all in or all out. And, and, you know, if somebody hits you with something with which you're uncomfortable and you haven't studied, well, then have the confidence and the patience to say, I understand what you're saying. I don't believe you've studied the context. I have. So I'd like you to study the context of this box you're trying to put me in. And when you have, come back and let's discuss it. Yeah. Well, that doesn't happen nearly enough in my life. Yeah. And I wish it did more. Well, so you I, can't, I, I, can't pick I, out of the Bible what's good for you. Right. Because right. it's the inspired word of God written through prophets into disciples, into apostles from Genesis through Revelation. There's a reason this library of, of stories, this library of books known as the Holy Bible is still being discussed in the year of our Lord 2023 <laughs> because it's real. And people either try to shoot it down because it's real or they embrace it because it's real and it ain't going away. It's the greatest story in the history of the world. And that's, that, that's what I stand by. Oh, man, P.A., I, like I said, I am so appreciative of your time and your willingness to, obviously not willingness, you're, you're, you're happy to talk about this. You want to, this is your, this is your mission for lack of a better term. And I love that. And thank you, friend. And I, I, I truly appreciate it. Well, you know, again, even, even before I learned Christ was God on earth, which I guess is my testimony um, or started reading the Bible, how many times did I come up to you on the sideline and hug you and say, love you, where it's not an affront, it's not sexual, I'm not making a move on you, love you, God bless. How about every single time? Every single 
time without fail. And I got to tell you, every single time without fail, it meant a lot to me. It really did. I have so much respect for you and admiration. And there's just something about you, Paul, that, that clearly has brought you through this life to where you are. And uh, that's why people love you. So it's been a joy, man. And let's do it again. And, and I can't wait to see you and hug you again. And I don't know when that'll be, but in the meantime, it's, it's here. When, when you, if, and, or when you or John watch this back, uh, or whomever watches sideline sanity. And when I'm preaching to you without being preachy and they see the reactions that you had and your glow and your face, that's the Holy spirit. And that's how I live my life. And that's how I'll always live my life. You can take anything away from me in my life, but you will not take away my belief in Christ, my willingness to share the gospel bold or boldly or courage based as it is. Um, and my belief in the Bible. So thank you very much. He is Paul Allen. And here we go. Love you. And God bless. <laughs> Love you. God bless. I don't even know who does sideline on NBC anymore because I don't go up and hug anybody and say God bless anymore to them. I'm reserving it because for whatever the reason, middle of 2021, CJ Ham and I started praying on the sideline. And then special teams coordinator Ryan Ficken came up, equipment guy Adam Groney, quarterbacks coach Andrew Ginoco, and it grew. I didn't ask for it to grow. God put it there. And when I say a baseline, a foundation has been established with this Minnesota Vikings football team that's beyond 13 and 4, the happiness and the positivity and the forgiveness and, and the way people were treated in that building Thanks in large part to Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Ryan Grigson, all Ryan Grigson and I, and Tyler, uh, the sports performance guy, Harrison Phillips, George. All we ever talk about is the Bible or the TV show, The Chosen, in the locker room, on the sideline, before or after practice, in the hallways. First time in my 21 years that that's happened. And that spirit has led to a positivity and a happiness and a glow in that building that I have never experienced in any of my jobs in all the 30 years. So I'm going to call that some serious sideline sanity and serenity. You're the best. Uh, I love it. Paul Allen, everyone. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to be brave and do good. Thanks, Paul. Always a good day when Charles Thorngren of Legacy Precious Metals can join us and answer some really different questions. And I thought of a few new ones for you, Charles, if that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated and we hear so much about gold and silver and, and precious metals. So if I could just ask this broad question, what is the role of gold mm. in a portfolio? Great question. And when we look at that, and the answer to that is, has a couple of different features to it. It depends on the individual. But its main purpose is the insurance policy for your finances. It is meant to be the foundation by which you do all other things, right? We know that gold and silver um, have an inverse relationship to the dollar. Um, it protects your purchasing power. So when we invest, that's what we're saying. We want to make sure that we have the ability to manage our money and have our money do what we need it to do for us. 
It's not the collection of dollars for dollar's sake, but for what it does for us, how we pay our bills, how we retire, how we feed our family, how we uh, go on and bless others and, and donate to causes we believe in. That's what money does for us. It's not the dollar itself. It's the thing it provides for us. And what gold does is make sure that that money continues to have purchasing value. Because there are times we find that, hey, my money doesn't have the same purchasing Absolutely. value it had last month. Absolutely. And this is a unique time. We're seeing it. <clears throat> I, this term called hyperinflation, which usually refers to, you know, inflation in the 18s and 20 percent. I consider this a time of hyperinflation because it's so much more than what we're normally used to. Right. When we prepare and we budget and we say, this is the course of my life and this is how I'm going to do things. This is where I'm going to put my money. We use some basic numbers, two to three percent inflation. That's what the Fed says is good. But that's not even great. Over a lifetime, that's a lot of inflationary loss to your dollar. But when you have a period where it jumps to the points where we're at now, and we're in the eight and a half, nine is going to be into the double digits soon in this shorter time frame, that's a hyperinflation situation to me because it throws everything off dynamically and so, so radically. You do, you do see us going into double digits, huh? Absolutely. Uh, the Fed even sees us going into double digits. You know, there was a, an interesting report where one of the, the Fed chairmen were saying, 2023, we're not going to talk about that. But in 2024, by summer, we may be able to start to drop the interest rates. When someone tells me they're in charge of something, but they say this new year that's coming, just forget about that completely. We're not even going to talk about that. That's a bad sign. <laughs> they don't want you to think about it. Exactly. They, don't, they want you to look past it and sort of ride it, it off right now. Just don't even think yeah. about it. It's going to be bad. But hey, 2024, though, you know. And interestingly enough, right around the time of an election, they want to start talking about what they're going to do. Isn't that fascinating? That timing is just really interesting. Before I we finish up here, I, I'm always fascinated with how gold is priced. How, how do we get a price of gold? You know, the spot price of gold is really determined by the world market. The London Bullion Exchange, right? And this has been for hundreds of years now. Um sets a price and the rest of the world revolves around that. Now, our currency will determine how much more than it is in the pounds and things like that. And there's a calculation for it. But that's one of the great things about gold and silver. Their value is recognized around the world. No matter what currency, what country you're in, it has value. Uh, I just recently come back from a trip where I was overseas not that long ago. And I bring gold with me everywhere I go. Um, not a lot, so don't try to catch me in the airport. Um, <laughs> but I have something that is valuable no matter where I'm at. I can go anywhere in any country and turn that into its currency in no time at all. You're talking about carrying around physical gold? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Do you, do you, do you How walk much around is with safe dollars? to carry around if you're – well – no, you're right. Uh, so if and and that gold is going to have the same uh, value across the board, no matter no matter where I go, slight right? Because very slight deviations, yeah. but it's not very large. Okay. You know, usually less than one yeah. percent difference in the price. This is really interesting. I, I can't let you go before I ask you this because I'm picturing you now walking around with some <laughs> you know, gold coins in your pocket. I'm thinking, wow, that would feel 
risky. But when you go into another country, for instance, with some gold, how easy is it for you to go say, here, I want to exchange this for, or, you know, I'm assuming you're not going to a restaurant and slapping down a gold no. bullion or something. No. But you could overseas. In certain places of the world, they recognize that just like regular currency. Wow. But I wouldn't use but, gold. But it's dinner. easy to ch exchange once you get to another country? Yeah. Just very easy. Most of the time you can do it at the airport. Same places where they change currency. A lot of them will change uh, metals too. And is physical bullion the, the, the best way to go? It is. It really is. When you're traveling or always in any investment in gold? Uh, you know, there's certain things you can do outside of just bullion that may make sense once you've laid a portfolio down, right? Um, diversity in metals is important too. But your basis for all investments should be your basic bullion, whether it's gold or silver. You want to have that foundation set in the base metal itself, giving you the most value that you can get. And obviously, every person's situation is unique. So why not just call and speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals, 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903. Or they can always download your free investor's guide, right? It's true. at LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Do you have any gold on you right now? I do. Give me half a second. I got to see this. I just want to see. I mean, I, it's, it seems like almost like in the old days when you walk around with that, you know, Mr. Scrooge and his gold coins in his pocket. Not that you're, can you sort of turn it around and show us that? That's now for our listeners, they're not going to be able to, 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 to see what we're seeing, but you've got a little container and, they're just, they're kind of the size of half dollars, right? Yeah. Would just about a half dollar. And this or? is, this is the American gold Eagle. And this is a uh, $22,000 worth of metal. Yikes. Charles isn't messing around <laughs> and neither are we, but please go get your questions answered. This is such an important time to be thinking about your money, your long-term play in addition to every short-term concern that you have. Charles, always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And you know what? 2023 is coming. Call now, find out <laughs> so you can make your decisions for, before then. Yes. And before the elections again, yes. and they can tell us what they're going to tell us then. They're, they're telling you to overlook 2023. That means you now's the time to inquire. Absolutely. Again, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Charles Thorngren, always good to see you. Thank you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it and i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flint with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com